Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you, thank you. And so, um, yeah, so we're, we're Church of Wide Open Arms, and we, we our desire is that, first of all, you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life if you have not done that yet. And number two, selfishly, uh, that you'll make this church your church. And so thank you for being here. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great thing for you guys to spend this Sunday morning with us. Um, hey, and if, and if you're, if you come to church, this, I didn't prepare this, but if you, if you come to church and you're not, you're not accustomed to coming to church every Sunday, make it a commitment. We commit to so many things in life, and I promise you this is not a guilt trip, but, but, but coming to church is like, it's almost like going to the gym. Like you kind of don't want to do it, but then after you've done it, you're happy that you did. And so let, just make it a habit. Make it a habit. Make it a habit, okay? Because if there's one thing that the enemy wants to convince you that it's not a big deal is coming to church. Because I don't know about you, but this is where life transformation happens, okay? And so I encourage you to come to church every Sunday. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. Um, because I promise you every Sunday I will do my best to be able to uh, express to you the heart of God and what he has in Scripture for us. And so couple of announcements before we get going here. Uh, man camp is coming up. This is uh, happening a few weeks from now. It's actually the weekend after Easter. If you haven't signed up, please do. Uh, I think we have like six, five or six spots left. And so there's, there's been a healthy amount of interest in this, but I, I, uh, I encourage you to sign up. There's a QR code. Uh, go to the QR code, sign up, and then we'll explain everything uh, as we go along. We will probably be filled up before the end of this week. And so uh, make it a point to do that, and I promise you, you are going to be blessed. Okay? All right. Next announcement. Easter's coming up. All right? We've talked about CEOs, Christmas and Easter only people, and that's not, it's not, a, it's not a negative thing, but it's just a reality. CEOs, right? Christ, Christmas and Easter only people, which means is that many people, um, you know, they come to church twice a year. And it's not a guilt trip, it's just that we have to take advantage of that opportunity. And so we have a few things. If you've noticed on your chair, there's a little invite card. And I want to ask you to pray and to invite the people that you have, have been thinking about. So there's a space there um, for your name, your Easter guest, phone number, etc. And just make it a point uh, to invite these people. And so what we're going to do is at the end of this service, because I'm assuming we all have in mind who we're going to invite. I'm inviting my landlord. I've been inviting him to church for three years, but I believe this is going to be the time, okay? I believe he's going to be here Sunday uh, uh, on Easter, and so I hope you have that person. If you have that person, write them down, and what we're going to do is at the end of service, uh, when Shay comes uh, up on stage and does uh, communion, we're going to do a special prayer for them at the end of service, and we also have these um, land, what are they called? Um, lawn signs, lawn signs. So if you have a lawn, if you don't live in an apartment, you have a lawn, take a lawn sign and put it there. It's the way you guys are laughing at me. I, was th I think I'm still thinking in Spanish. That's the problem. I spent two weeks in Chile, just got back. So anyway, do that. Be sure to do that. Um, and that's just a way to tell your neighbors, like we're, we're Christians, we go to church, and you're invited to our Easter service, all right? Okay, so if you have your Bibles, please uh, go to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to go into the Word of God. So Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse uh, 36, uh, and we have the scriptures on the screen as we go along, okay? Here's what it says. It says, this is Jesus, okay? This is Jesus talking. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, talking about Noah, before, um, you know, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, uh, give, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other one left. Um, two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, the other one left. Therefore, he's telling them, keep watch, because you do not know uh, on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of this house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let um, his house be broken into. So... You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so today we're going to talk about the end times, the end times, okay? This one, that, that's the topic of today. And so here's the thing, that given our current social political events of our present period of time, many assume that the end is near. I mean, it's, 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 it seems obvious that the end is is near. In fact, as I was saying uh, earlier, I, I was in Chile for the past uh, couple of weeks. I went to see my dad. By the way, thank you so much for your prayers. He's actually doing a lot better now, and so I appreciate that so much. Please keep him in your prayers. Stephen Phillips is his name. And so, have you ever met um, a real-life Chicken Little? Like, everything is a tragedy. Like, like, everything is urgent. Like, everything is the worst that it's ever been. And you guys... Are, the, are chicken littles, some of you, right? Or just don't, you know, don't do the elbow thing. But, but, but the, the honest truth is that when I was in Chile, I, I, as I said, I, I spent some time with a, a pastor and then also uh, some church leaders, and there were two especially that they were so sure that Jesus or that the end of time was going to happen in their lifetime. They were like, it's obvious. I mean, everything's lining up. Wars and rumors of wars, the Israel situation, pestilence, catastrophes, nation against nation, famine, Ukraine situation, the situation in Yemen. It's like, pastor, can't you see the signs of the time? And they were saying, I believe, they're telling me, I believe that Jesus is going to return during my lifetime. They both said that. In the next 20 years, Jesus will be coming back. And then they were like, what do you think? And honestly, I was like, I felt bad because I wasn't worried. And I'm still not worried. Like, I'm not like, like oh, we got to find out when it is. I don't know. And I kind of felt bad because they were so sure. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen in the next 20 years. But they were so obsessed with trying to find out when the end time was going to be that, you know, I felt bad that I wasn't feeling the same way. It's like a few years back when the pandemic just started, I remember sharing with you guys an email that I got from a pastor in Chile saying that there was this prophet that prophesied that there was this seven-day period and that the world was going to come, to, or actually the end of the United States was going to come to an end on that seventh week. And when I preached that, if you remember, we were actually on that seventh week. So I said, according to this guy, the end is going to come at the end of the week. And so I was remembering about this, and I went back to that blog post, and I had been taken out. Of course, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And so what I'm trying to, to, to share with you is this, is that there have been people all along that have been obsessed with trying to predict the end. And these people have always been obsessed with it being during their lifetime, okay? 
Some people think this is it. And I almost felt bad like I was saying. But I wasn't and I'm still not. And here's why. We just read it. Matthew 24, 36 is this. These are Jesus' words. But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. Not even the Son. Not even Jesus. But only the Father. See, all we know about the end time, about the return of Jesus, is that it's going to happen soon. That's literally all we know in the Bible. It says in Revelation 22, I believe, it says um, he will be returning soon. And you may say, Soon? It's been 2,000 years. How is that soon? Well, 2 Peter and Psalm 90 say that for God, one day is like 1,000 years, right? And so it's been 2,000 years. So from his perspective, it's been two days. So that's kind of still soon, right? But the point is, I'm honestly not concerned about this. And I was, I was wondering why I wasn't worried. Why, why am I not? I'm still not worried. And I discovered it. It's this. What's the difference? Like, like why, why does it matter to us if Jesus is going to come back in 40 years or if he's going to come back in 40,000 years? Why are we so obsessed with this? And here's the thing. Regardless of when the end time comes, you and I, we are living in our end time. So our lives are going to end. Regardless, like if, God, if, I, if God blesses me with a lot of years, I'm going to live 40 more, right? But there's no guarantees of that. And so the problem is this, and I actually wrote it down. No matter where you are at, you are living in the end times. Maybe not the end times of everyone's existence, but you are certainly, but it is certainly of yours and mine. You see, we get distracted trying to predict when the end will be. And people have been trying to predict whether the earth will end during their lifetime for hundreds of years, and they've gotten it right zero times. And so they've missed it every time, while in the meantime not realizing that there is one end time we know for sure is coming, and that is yours and mine. You see, we get caught up in trying to guess the end of time while missing what we know for sure is coming in our lifetime, which is the end of our time. I think we get distracted. If you ask me, are we living in the end times? Yes, for sure. For sure we are, because you and I will end soon, regardless of when Jesus will come back. So here's the thing, I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make. Have you ever just missed the point? Like I had this friend that bought a dishwasher, and uh, he still kept washing the, hand washing his dishes and putting them in the dishwasher. Like, I understand it's taking some of the extra stuff out, you know, you get it ready and then you put it in the dishwasher, but this guy was, like, cleaning him. Like, why are you doing it twice? Like, you missed the point completely. You see, something similar happens when we start fixating on trying to discover when the end will be. We miss the point. You see, the question, and here's, here's the point I'm trying to make today. The question is not whether or not the end of time will come during our lifetime. That's not the question. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? That's the only question that matters. We're distracted trying to decipher what's going to happen next. The question is, are you ready? Have you ever had people in your house when it's, your house is a mess and it's kind of embarrassing? Oh, like they show up and the house is kind of in disarray. 
you know? So when you, when you know someone's coming to your house, like you're going to clean the whole thing. But the idea is for them to come into your house and to think that that's the way the house is all the time, right? Wouldn't it be better if we just always kept our house clean? That way it doesn't matter when people show up, you know, you know it's always going to be clean. Like, that's not the case in our house. I mean, our house is pretty clean, but it's like extra clean when people show up. And so that's kind of the point that I want to, that I want to make here is that, is that, you know, we have the parable of the ten virgins, the virgins, and Jesus is talking about this. Five of them were ready, five of them were not ready. And so that's the question I want to ask to you today is, is are you ready? Like, if you knew, if you knew that today was your last day, this is the last day of your life, if you knew that for sure, is there anything that you would be doing differently? Is there a conversation that you would have to have? Is there reconciliation? Is there decisions that you would have to make? Is there anything in your life right now that you would do differently if you knew for sure that this was your last day? I think that's a good question to ask. But the most important question is, if this was your last day, are you right with God? Are you, are you right with God right now? Are you ready to face the Almighty? You see, the question is not when is Jesus coming back. The question is not when is the end of the world. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? So, what does it mean to be ready? Have you ever felt weird because you should know the answer to a question, but you're not really sure? So when I just moved here, this was three years ago, somebody asked me, so where do you live? We had just moved. And I didn't, I like, um, hmm, like I can't, like there's this big street and then you make a left and there's a McDonald's. But what street? I don't remember. It's a big like wide street. You make a left. And they're like, dude, how do you not know where you live? I felt embarrassed about that. You see, I think the same thing can happen to us as Christians. Like, we have these obvious questions that we feel like we should have the quick answer to, uh, but we actually don't. And so the question is, are you ready? Like, what do you mean, Pastor Josh, by being ready? What does it mean to be ready to face God? Because I grew up believing that, that if Jesus comes back and you forgot to pray, you're not ready. If Jesus comes back and there's a sin that you didn't confess, that means that you're not ready. If there's something that you should have done that you didn't do, that means that you're not ready. Um, that's what I thought. Um, if I never reconciled with this person, I'm not ready. If I still mad at my dad, I'm not ready. If I smoke sometimes, I'm not ready. If I cuss yesterday when, I was, when somebody cut me off in the street, that means that I'm not ready. That's what I thought. And so... That's a, hard, that's a hard one to deal with. I, I grew up with that. That was, that was the culture that I grew up in is you have to do all these things. And so, so how many sins do you think you commit every day? Okay, one sin. So we got one sin over here. So, okay, let's just, let's just say that Fernando here commits one sin every day. You, the reason why we laugh is because we assume, maybe you don't even know who Fernando is, but, but like we know that it's more than that. And she's like, yeah, we do know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, busted. But see, it's, for me, it's definitely more than that. And so let's just say, okay, let's just say, um, I'm going to put myself on the spot. I commit one sin per day, okay? One sin per day. That is, that is 365 sins per year. That is, I'm 46 years old. So that's 16,790 
sins to this point. Do you think that I've confessed all those sins? What if I missed one? What about sins of omission? What about the sins that I am unaware of? You see, my thought was when I grew up is that if I had sinned and Jesus comes back, that means I am not ready. And I thought that the answer to the question lied solely on my performance for God. Whatever I did for God will determine whether or not I'm ready. So being ready, from my perspective, meant good performance, period. Like a score. That I would show up at the end times with a stack of papers with all the sins written on them. If my stack was high, I was not ready. If my stack was low, eh, you're kind of more ready. But it was never clear. Like how many sins or how bad or how good do you need to be in order to be prepared? So let me help you understand something. Isaiah chapter 64 says this, it's a, it's, a, it's a small verse, says even our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags before the Lord, which means that even the good that we do is tainted with sin. Romans 3.23 says, this is a popular verse, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. See, like I said before, even the good that we do is tainted with sinfulness. You see, you and I are hopeless before a holy God. We're hopeless. Um, so to answer the question of are you ready, are you not ready, the answer to that question is no. It's always no. Are you ready? No. No, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. I'm not ready. And listen to this. If you feel like you're ready, if you feel like you've made yourself ready to be presentable before God, that is the exact thing that will disqualify you. Because you're putting your faith in your own performance. And you think that it is that will, present, that will make you presentable before God. And it is not. It is only the sacrifice of Christ. He's the only one that makes us ready. You see, he made us ready by his sacrifice. And so, so here's the thing. Here's, here's where we need to start. We need to start by admitting our utter spiritual bankruptcy before God. We got nothing to offer him. Zero, zero. He and only he is the one that makes us ready. And we believe this by faith. We come to Jesus empty-handed. It's what we do. Old Testament, you had to come, you know, to the high priest with a sacrificial lamb or sacrifice or whatever it is that would compensate for your sin. Now we come to God empty-handed because Jesus paid the price for our shortcomings. He paid the full price. That's why I'm wearing this shirt today. Tetzelestai, it's got a little sweat on it. Um, Tetzelestai is what Jesus said when he was on the cross. He says, it is finished. Not it is kind of finished. Like, eh, maybe you got to add a little bit more to it. Give me a little hand. You know, the, the cross should have been a little bit more heavy or the nail should have gone a little, a little bit deeper. You know, it should have been a little bit more suffering. No, it is finished. And that's what we, what, what we stand on, not on our own performance. So what makes us ready is recognizing that we are never going to be ready it is a lost cause. That's what it means to be ready. Not look, look at how good I am. Not, not look at how good I am, but rather look at how good he is. It's not, it's not that God saves us because we're good. God saves us because he's good. It's so important for us to understand this. That's, that's what being ready means. And the problem is that we will never be good enough. You know? But here's the problem. If we're never good enough... 
and he does it all for us, then what, are, what is, like, what are, why even try? Like, why even try to, to, to be good? Like, why even try to live a better life? Why try to be obedient, be generous, all these things? Why? If it's all been taken care of. Well, repentance is a big topic in the Bible. We see it a lot. Repentance. Let me just read you three verses. Um, Acts 2.38 says this. It says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, and so on. We have 72 instances in the scriptures where Jesus talks about, or, or the topic of repentance is in the Bible. So repentance is a big theme in the Bible. But I think that we confuse the meaning of repentance. What does repentance actually mean? So we think that repentance is like, oh man, I feel so bad about what I did. We think that's that repent. oh, he's so repentant because he showed a certain emotion. Repentance is not that at all. It literally means going in a different direction or actually going in the opposite way. Like you're walking this way and then you walk the other way. Repentance is not an emotion. Repentance is a, a change of attitude. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction to be more specific. It's an act of the will. It's deciding once and for all to walk a different path. That's what repentance is. And so the problem is that, that when we're invited to get baptized and repent and believe in all these things, um, there is a but. And it's a big but. That sounded weird. I admit it. It's a but. It's a, it's a however. However, right? However. It's important to understand this. Please don't fire me for saying this. But listen. Repentance does not save you. Jesus does. You don't, have, you don't offer your repentance to God, and he's like, okay, he's, he's done pretty good, so now I'm going to save him. No, repentance does not save you. Jesus does. You see, some of us believe that being ready means living a perfect life before God. No, it does not mean that. It means putting your faith in Jesus. And putting your faith in Jesus requires letting go of your faith in your performance and shifting that over into putting your faith into the performance of Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's a big shift. You see, before Christ, we were dead in sin. Before Christ, we followed the ways of the world. We were disobedient. We were following our desires. We were deserving the wrath of God. God picked us up, seated us next to Christ as a result of his grace alone, not from us, not for works so that nobody can boast. No one. And we did none of this, by the way. This was all Christ who did it for us. This is all Jesus. Jesus did the whole thing from A to Z. And so putting our faith in his finished work makes us ready. Matthew 11. Um, I'll, start to, I'll start to close with this. Matthew 11 uh, 29 and 30 says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Um, which is what we are, by the way, all ultimately seeking is rest for our souls. 
And then he continues in verse 34, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm praying to God right now that I'll be able to express this clearly. So this is so important what I'm about to say. You see, I used to think that working hard for God would make me ready for his return. That's what I thought. I used to hear, hey, you better be ready. Better be ready. You better be ready. Jesus is coming. You better be ready. He better find you working is basically what it was. He better find you busy. He better find you doing stuff for him. You know, you don't want to slack off and show up and you're doing whatever. That's what I always used to hear. He better find you working. But you know what I discovered? Is he better find you resting. He better find you resting. He better find you trusting in everything that he's done for you, that it's all been done. We have nothing to offer God. And the fear is that if we feel that we have nothing to offer God, then we will not have a life change at all. But the truth is, is that when we get it, when we get it, when we get it, when we get it, when our eyes are open, when the, the eyes of our hearts are open and we have ears to hear, we're going to understand that we have nothing to prove. And I have nothing to prove to you. See, here's the other thing that's really beautiful is that when you realize that you have nothing to prove to God, you, you, you discover that you also have nothing to prove to one another. I don't have to perform for you either. I don't have to stand here as a pastor and feel like I have to do a thing a certain way because I'm already approved before God. And so he better find you resting. You know, faith is believing that Jesus did it all. We stop bringing sacrifices to the altar. You may think, well, that's Old Testament. I don't really offer anything. There's no altar. Like, I have nothing to really offer. Well, maybe you're not offering a lamb, but you're offering your talent. You're offering your good works. You're offering your good deeds. You're offering your commitment, your sacrifice, your time, your finances. You're offering these things. And if you think that any of these things have anything to add to what Jesus did for you, that's striving, which is the opposite of resting. And you can work from a place of rest. You can, you can come to church and you can do the things that you love to do from a place of rest. Not a, not a place of, there's this thing that I have to finish because it wasn't enough. And so, um, God is saying, Jesus was enough. Which means that so are you. So are you. That's what this shirt is all about. Now it's all sweaty, see? Start sweating when I get a little, a little excited. Tetelestai. That's what it means. It means it's It's finished. It's finished. Not it's almost finished. It's finished. Let's rest in that. Let's rest in it. Let's do it. So I'm going to end with this. Um, so the question is kind of going back. The question is not when is Jesus coming back? That's the wrong question. The question is, are you ready? And the answer to that question does not lie in our behavior. We don't make ourselves ready. Jesus made us ready when he died on the cross. What makes us ready is where you're putting your faith. Are you putting your faith in yourself, your performance, or are you pay, putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? You see, if it's, if it's faith in your performance, you will find yourself striving. You will feel that in your heart. But if your faith is in Jesus, you will find yourself resting in his finished work. So, when Jesus comes back, or when the end comes, you better find you resting. You better find you resting. Are you ready? Well, are you resting or are you striving? 
So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask if everyone could just um, close your eyes and bow your heads. And This is a moment between you and Jesus. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you what it is that he wants you to learn today and what it is that he wants for you to uh, take home. So we're going to pray right now. And Lord God, I, I just um, I thank you for these moments that we share this morning. And I thank you, God, because uh, you have paid for everything. And we can come to you from a place of rest. I pray, God, that for anyone who's here right now who, who needs rest, who needs to feel that rest, I pray, Lord, Lord God, that you give that to them. In fact, I want to ask you guys here, if, if there's anyone here that needs prayer, and I'll, I'm just going to pray over you right now. Just raise your hand real quick. Amen. There's hands everywhere. Amen. 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 Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. So I'm going to just pray for these hands that were raised. Um, if you're not feeling rested, like if you don't have rest in your soul, which is different than physical rest, if you're not rest in your soul, I want to pray for God to give that to you today. Lord God, I pray for these hands that were raised, specific hands that were raised needing to, um, to be in, in your rest, to feel the rest, Lord. I pray, God, that you will do this for them right now. That it won't be an, an intellectual shift, but it'll be a spiritual shift in knowing that we will fail, that we always fall short, but that you have paid the full price for us and that we will walk in this grace. I pray for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.